Hey folks, um, Retro Road Podcast back again. I know, shockingly uh, organised to be, uh, what, five in, six in now? Today we have um, an international call with uh, Larry Chen. If you know Larry Chen, he needs little to no introduction, but if you don't, he is an absolutely fabulous photographer, works with Hoonigans Now, Super Street Online, as well as numerous others. There is absolute zero percent chance you haven't seen one of his photographs somewhere and i have to say i am really looking forward to this chat so uh, welcome larry well thanks for having me david i'm excited that's a very very nice introduction well it's it's hard not to give you a nice introduction you're a lovely chap so uh, <laughs> i'm going to start with what is um in uh, inside the actor studio style my first question every time uh, why cars why are you so interested in cars I, I think, um, you, you know, everyone has a different reason why they love cars. I, I mean, it, it's tough um, to not just say the ordinary, hey, I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, Southern California, car culture is kind of ingrained in everyday life. Just to get anywhere in Los Angeles, you have to use a car. Have you been to Los Angeles? I have indeed. I have indeed. I absolutely yeah. love the place. And you know exactly what I mean. I'm. I mean, it's kind of the same thing in London in a way, but of course, the public transportation in London is a lot better. Um, but you, you you just normally you just naturally grow up with people who are in love with cars, and as early as I can remember, anything that I saw on the street, any like red cars. Or, or flashy things just driving along, I would just go crazy over. I, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just a natural thing for, for little boys. And now my son, who's uh, three and a half, it's the craziest thing. Like, I don't even really subject him to cars. He doesn't really come to the events with me. A, they're a little bit too loud for him still. And B... Uh, it's just tough, you know, to travel with family. But for some reason, you know, the bottom of my feet are so bruised up from stepping on all his toy cars all over the place. <laughs> I, I legitimately, on the way to the computer, just five minutes ago, stepped on one of his toy cars. It's clearly, uh, clearly a genetic thing. This is uh, it. Really, the only thing we can take away from that. Yeah. Uh, um, so talk us through. Um, I suppose. I would say talk us through your cars from the beginning, but talk us through what you got at the moment, and uh, maybe we can go back to first cars and stuff in a sec. Oh, this is this is such a tough question for me. I don't want to come off as a as an asshole <laughs> or like a jerk, <laughs> you know. Like I, I'm a lover of cars, and I I just I, I'm not out there just to you know collect everything. I absolutely love everything about them. About them, I kind of fall in love with them and part of it is i think um your buddy our our mutual friend bryn is the same way he just can't get rid of the cars that he falls in love with you know uh yeah. for you know there's those people in fact i was just talking to my buddy vin from hoonigan today and he literally just bought it uh two new cars but he cycles through them it's like a revolving door and it's crazy to me looking from the outside because I, I'm like, hey, I'm falling in love with your cars for you. You shouldn't be, you know, revolving <laughs> cars so fast. Um, I, I just at this point, you know, I've worked hard enough. And I, I think I told this to Bryn or we had this conversation. We both work hard enough where we're lucky in that we can keep the cars that we love. Um, yeah. So right now, the collection is definitely getting a little more extensive and I'm kind of running out of room to put uh, the cars. Um, so I got a bigger house on the way, right? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> what, maybe once all this stuff is over, um, we'll look at we'll look at a bigger house. But it's it's just one of those dreams, you know, to you know have your garage, have your cars, and that's where you tinker. And especially for me, someone who travels so much, uh, what I do when I come home to relax, I actually just work on my cars. So the car that I'm most known for is the 1970 240Z, or Z, as you guys call it. It's a Datsun, and uh, it's currently under the knife right now. It's getting some more work done. It's getting 
new brakes, new cooling system, new ECU. Um, but I think that's kind of my life for car that pretty much most people who know me, they know that I have that car. I've just had it, I think the longest now, 20, since I was 21. I actually bought it when I was 20 and I drove it for the first time pretty much on my 21st birthday. Oh, that's a lovely thing. Yeah. So I've had that the longest. Uh, I had, I recently, when I say recently, I, I, I acquired about two years ago, my dream car, um, uh, Nissan Skyline R32 GTR, which, um, it's kind of an ongoing process to kind of restore it. It is such a old car now, right? It's a, it's a 30 year old car. I'm, I'm yeah. just, even, even before I got in this car, I was on Yahoo auctions. Unfortunately, they can't ship anything out right now. But I'm hmm. finding things that potentially I could replace on my car to kind of make it a little newer. Um, another car that I just recently picked up from the shop um, with a brand new clutch is my 996 Turbo. Which that's, I've actually, I've been building that for five years now. And it was kind of a clunker. It was like a pretty, pretty beat up car. It was a commuter car. Um, for some lawyer when I first purchased it. I think probably before they really went up in price. And just slowly over the years, I've just changed all everything. as Whatever you can think of, I've changed. It's had engine out services. It's had all of it just to kind of get it up to par. And now it's finally become like a nice car that I can actually take out on the weekends, I can actually fit my entire family in that car, which is super cool. It's just so nice. Um, the, the, you know, as you know, the rear seats on the 911, for a normal person, they basically can't have legs to fit back yeah. there, right? My, but, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my friends refuse to uh, go in the back of mine now because yeah. um, they end up with a bad neck, right? <laughs> right, right. So my uh, uh, five-and-a-half-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, they fit perfectly back there. And, of course, my wife does so uh now it's the perfect family car. Excellent. Yeah. It's four seats. Very practical. Exactly. Exactly. Get, get um, a roof rack and a roof box. Exactly. Uh, two. I got two more um, non-truck cars right now. I have the brand new 2020 Supra, uh, which is pretty much my daily driver. I. It's just one of those things where it. Everyone asks me how I like it. Honestly. Any car company that can come out with a brand new sports car now is good in my book. You know, there's yeah. just too many appliances, as I'm sure you can agree. Too many cars that are boring. Man, this thing sounds so good. And while it doesn't have that much power, it's just more than enough to get you in trouble, really. Yeah, yeah, it's, for sure. It, it's an awesome car. Um, another car that we actually built for Toyota for the SEMA show uh, in 2018 is the Toyota Corolla hatchback. Do, do they sell those in the UK? Um, yeah, I think they do. I, I actually, yeah, what year is it? It's a <laughs> 20, 2019, 2019. Yeah, they must do. They must do. The Toyota Corolla is like the best-selling car in the world, right? They must sell it here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they sell this exact version. So... Uh. In the UK, I know it's still very common to get a manual transmission car, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's got to be at least half the cars in the UK are manual transmission. Yeah, more, more than that, definitely. Right. So uh, in the US, it's so rare, it's less than 1% by a lot. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so for this Corolla, it's a hatchback and it's two liters. It's not that much uh, power wise, it's 170 horsepower, I think. But the fact that it comes with a manual transmission in the U.S., it, it just blows my mind. It's just so crazy <laughs> that a new car can come out with a man, manual transmission. I mean, compared to, for example, the Supra doesn't even have a manual transmission. Yeah. Um, so that that's a fun car that we kind of use uh, it, between me and the guys around the office. And when we're doing shoots, um, we use that all the time. It was actually that camera car. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember the camera car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then going on to uh, the trucks, uh, I have my 2007 FJ Cruiser, 
which also is a manual transmission car. I just got a supercharger for it yesterday. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So I I cannot wait to install that. That's going to be really fun. We actually use that for work, pretty much solely. We 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 use that to chase off road racing. There's a thing we we don't actually have them. They were never officially imported into the UK. Um, I drove one actually probably in 2007 when um, we hired one when we were in Vegas and drove to the Grand Canyon. Oh really? Um, I absolutely love them. I think they're just just awesome and i'm really annoyed you can't get them over here and the ones that are imported uh like they've never dropped in value they're just uh just just a little bit beyond me still so uh, yeah. one day that's the one. kind of crazy thing right i mean like um there's so many cars that come out in the uk that you guys are like ah oh, that's just a pedestrian like or, for example all the farm vehicles that you guys have right the old defenders like yeah. guys seriously uh here I, I mean, like, I feel like I will shit my pants if I see one on the street here because they're so <laughs> rare, you know, and I think they look so cool. But I know for you guys, it's like, oh, it's just a regular farm vehicle. It, it's the rarity, you know, it's that whole thing where, um, you know, we, we'd see JDM cars are a great example of this, like stuff that was domestic market only in, in Japan. And then you see one just just one a show or in the streets or something over here it's like oh my god that's amazing but like back home they're just like a family car for someone you know it's uh it's the same thing all over the world i think yeah um and, and just to finish it off real quick no so the, the fj is um it's a pretty rare model because of its manual um like i said less than one percent of them um came in manual too in, in the u.s uh our Family vehicle is a Range Rover. Um, I don't know what you guys call it. It's not, it's not the Vogue, but uh, it's it's the five liter one. I don't even yeah, know what. I what, don't what, even know. What's the equivalent to that? But anyways, uh, that's our family vehicle, and then um, our production vehicle. When we do kind of the bigger productions, we use the LC two hundred uh, Land Cruiser. Oh, uh, that that'll get you anywhere, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah so that's the fleet as of right now uh hopefully it doesn't get any bigger anytime soon because uh (laughs) i'm definitely 100 percent out of space but you know the thing is i'm just a lover of all cars everyone's like uh you know what's the there's no rhyme or reason why you have certain cars i just love everything you know i'll I'll take it yeah Um, no i mean that that's that's a a really pure i i I mean our whole thing um is built around that the love of you know all things sort of well, older obviously given our name but um car wise so um people that are, will just buy fords or people that will just buy vw that it blows my mind because it's like but there's so many other cars out there and it's like, like people that will just buy japanese cars they're like but there's so many other things you gotta you gotta try it all right you gotta see what you like yeah and i think um maybe you and i probably have a disadvantage you know uh we do get to try other people's cars and then we we kind of see like, hey, this is not that bad at all. You know, this is amazing. Um, I just had a, a Lotus uh, let me drive the new Evora GT. I was actually the first person in the wow. U.S. to drive to drive the new one. And what's funny is the guy in the U.K. who actually broke it in for me uh, did the break in miles. He actually messaged me and let me know like, hey, I broke it in for you. Like. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Um, Good luck. And, and, yeah, so that, that's the thing is, like, I, I'm a lover of all cars, even, you know, like, especially newer sports cars, like I said earlier. Um, kudos to any manufacturer that comes out with anything that's fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the thing. Like, people keeping cars fun is, it, you know, it's important and not just appliances still. They're, they're you know, something... Uh, something to be enjoyed properly uh where did it all start for you so what was your first car oh man my first car was uh definitely a a, a clunker is falling apart it was a 1986 volvo 740 gle and it was like a maroon red color um, nice. and man that thing had so many electrical gremlins um and it was just it was horrible. I mean, it would just die out on me all the time, even on the highway, um, you know, in the middle of traffic, rush hour traffic, it would just stop. 
it was uh it was definitely a rough experience to have as a first car no ac no radio had, you know uh, that's exactly the right first car it builds character right exactly and and part of that is um the fact that i actually started working on it to fix it to keep it going you know i i replaced the fuel pump i replaced this replaced that like i learned all of this stuff on my own and that was so much fun for me you know today the cars you can't actually work on them i mean like on the new 911s you can't even look at the engine yeah yeah just to just to put it in service mode who's going to do that yeah yeah it's funny i I think that there we'll get to the point where we'll look back at this era of cars and go oh but you could still do something with them because i get i getting to i think they're going to get to the point where they're purely black box um but like but maybe i don't know i sound like a a miserable old man no you 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 say that but i just get excited all the time from uh manufacturers just pushing the envelope, releasing new cars that are so exciting. I mean, look at the new mid-engine Corvette, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, such a good thing. Yeah, and then there's some stuff that leaked about how potentially it could be a hybrid or whatever. Um, But And then then, uh, Car and Driver just came out with an article about uh, Toyota bringing over their turbocharged Corolla, which, um, you know, I think that'll be really cool. Like, I think uh, when they announced the turbo... Yaris, which is essentially like I guess their rally car or something that would compete against the Focus ST, right? Or yeah. no, 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 Fiesta ST. The, Fiesta, yeah, 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 Fiesta ST. Um, that got everyone excited, but of course, uh, the car's too small for the U.S. market. So the fact that they're releasing a bigger version for the U.S. market, in, you know, in the Corolla, that'll be so cool to see. And what's the point? You know, at, at this point, it's like, what's the reason? Well, you know what? There's still enthusiasts like you and I out there that are willing to spend our hard-earned dollars on these fun cars. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, weirdly, the, the Japanese of all people seem to be kind of really good at doing that. Like they still have that car culture, which says they put a you know crazy turbo version of a car out and just release it to the public. Whereas I suppose Ford have the um, RSs, but they seem to be very occasional halo models. Whereas I forgot what it is. There's um, a Toyota Auris version, Auris, whatever Mm. it is, that has an insane name, but it's got like a a transverse mounted uh, V6 in it for literally no reason other than I think that they could. But I think Japanese cars have always been like this, that um, in the seventies when they did all the pillarless, um uh, uh nissans and um toyotas mm-hmm. um i we, we were talking about this a, a little while ago uh with, with a friend of mine there's no reason for those cars to exist it's almost like an engineer invented this pillarless system somewhere huh? yeah and, and then they were like oh we'll just put it in the cars and release them and see what happens and they got all these sort of four-door hardtop pillarless saloons for for little to no reason but they're awesome and i love them for it so i, yeah. I think that they're still kind of in that mode i think that they still do that a lot yeah, I think, I mean, lucky for us, uh, within the industry, there's still so many enthusiasts that are pushing for these fun cars because that's what they want to drive. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, some yeah. of these cars that are coming out now, it just blows my mind that can, they can even exist. Look at the Ford GT. Yeah. Like, how is that even crash-resistant? At, I mean, like, what what the heck is that? You know, like... the. <laughs> You could see through the car. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. About, it's, it's, but it's, that's it's, that's like the te- the race technology bleeding into cars. I, I think motorbikes have had that for years. I'm not a big motorbike person, but you could see like the superbikes just turn into road bikes like a year or two later. Right. Whereas with with cars, I think it takes a lot longer to get through. And now we're getting kind of. I hate to use the phrase F1 technology, but it, it kind of is. It's like all of that. Uh, and, 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 and the GT cars, like the, these, the super thin, super lightweight carbon fiber over these, these shells. Yeah. They're the crash resistant, so they can pass all these tests. Uh, and you end up with a car you can see through, which is, which is just wild. It's pretty bonkers. Yeah. Uh, well, um, sorry I, gotta, I got off topic. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it's a podcast. That's its job, yeah. right? Um, so... Um, I have a question for you, actually, from uh, uh, Cal at Retropower. So I try and chain questions. So he was the last person I interviewed. 
Um, and uh, I got him to give me a question for you yesterday. And his question actually dovetails was, um, you obviously love um, your Japanese cars. Um, uh, what's your favorite Japanese model to drive? I suspect I know the answer. Um, and what is your favorite to look at and photograph if it's a different car? Hmm. Favorite Japanese car to drive? I, uh, uh, that that's a tough one. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's it's tough to say because you know everything has its strong points. Um, <laughs> a lot of people ask me how my Skyline drives, and I tell them it drives like a nineteen ninety Nissan Sentra because <laughs> it's like so. <laughs> it's like soft and slow compared to today's standards, you know, and it doesn't look anything special in that, like, the, I get stopped all the time, all day, every day when I drive that thing, um, especially dudes they just hang out of the window, like, start, they'll start taking pictures of the cell phone and everything, but ordinary people, they're just like, get this piece of 90s shit out of the way, get it out of the road, you know, like, because it just <laughs> looks like a standard pedestrian car. Um, I don't know. It's it's actually really tough to say. I guess um, any um, Japanese turbo car that era, that '90s, like the Supra, uh, the Skyline, the 300ZX or ZX, the Z32, um, that whole era was just amazing for for fun driving cars. They're not particularly fast, but they just give you a good sound. Uh, they looked amazing. And it just gave you like a good visceral feeling. In terms yeah. of photographing old school uh, cars, I think um, we have a pretty big show every year here in Southern California. It's called the Japanese Classic Car Show. In it's in, actually in Long Beach, um, and man, I have a field day every time I go to that show because it's just so much rare metal that you don't actually get to see that often because these owners try not to take their cars out that often because they're just so rare. Um, mm. For me, it's fun because I, I think it's the same way. Like, for example, I relate it to, I guess, the uh, for example, like the Mark I Ford Escort, right? That car was never meant to look good. All right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right? for sure. It's just a standard car, right? I mean, it was just a passenger car. But over the years, we've massaged it and we've grown to love it and we think it looks amazing. Um, I think it's the same way with a lot of these old school Japanese cars like the Datsun 510, you know, the old Toyota uh, 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 Terrainos. Uh, there's just so many of these old cars that were never meant to really look good. But for some reason now, after all these years, it's just aged so well. And I just love looking at these lines that will never exist ever again because they're just so unsafe. They're like tin cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there, yeah, there's no no pedestrian safety features or uh, um, uh, crumple zones. It's, uh, it's just basically frame and then body. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's a uh, that's a very uh, very nice answer. I'm going to move on to um, photography a little bit because um, I believe you have an interest in that area. Ah, um, I may have. <laughs> um, so, like anybody want to learn about um, uh, Larry and his photography? There are many podcasts that have dedicated solely to it and they're worth listening to if you have an interest in uh, photography um he recently did in fact actually probably this morning your time um uh, q a with uh, canon so go and check that out um but um i have some questions which you may well have answered but um i have i have an interest in 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 knowing them so um i saw you interviewed uh once um right before some of my friends yelled at you um that uh <laughs> um that you were talking about your influences and stuff. Um, right. And, and what I find um, interesting is why those influences influence you. So um, it's the difference between admiring someone's photography and being influenced by somebody's photography. So if you just, I, I just wonder if you could pick up on a couple of your influences and, and in what way they've influenced you. Um, cause, yeah. Uh, so I, I hear a lot of photographers. Uh, that's a really good question, by the way. Um, I hear a lot of photographers talk about, oh, oh this guy's so inspiring and um, I'm just never going to get to that level. Or, oh, this somebody potentially, hey, 
way before their time. Uh, you know, it was like a legendary war photographer or whatever. They're like so inspired by them. Yeah, that I think that's cool. There are those people that I kind of look up to that I'm like, oh my god, it's um, uh, something so amazing, and I could never achieve that. It's a, or it's a different kind of uh, discipline of photography that I, I I really aspire to to kind of get inspiration from. That's cool, but the immediate thing that really pushes me hard day in and day out are the other people that I'm shooting with. Uh, and I say this all the time. It's, it's my friends, you know? It's the guys I'm in the trenches with, the guys that I'm getting dirty with, the guys that I'm getting sunburnt with. Um, we're kind of putting in that same effort, the hours, the traveling, the uh, bags under our eyes, uh, the, just the sacrifices for us everything our personal life friends family health all of that we do that together and you know when i look over to them and i look at what kind of photos they're shooting uh it just really inspires me to to push harder than they can or um it, whatever they're shooting maybe give me gives me some kind of idea of hey maybe i can do something different and that's that's what really inspires me and and that's across all the disciplines that i shoot it's off-road on-road uh, drag racing um, drifting anything that i shoot there's that person that's their that's their expertise you know that's what they do yeah. day in and day out i i was so lucky recently i had a chance to follow wrc in mexico which by the way, was the last worldwide event, I think, before the <laughs> shutdown. Um, I had a, a chance to uh, shoot with my buddy Colin. Uh, he's a legendary WRC photographer. He's actually from the UK. And uh, he it's one of those things where he he's so good at his craft. And I, I'm just so lucky to be even a little bit as good as him or, or just even be in the same realm as him. And, but, but for me, it's so fun to kind of see how he captures uh, his ordinary day in and day out uh, job, which is, you know, photographing these awesome um, WRC cars. I just take it, I guess I just take it my own way. And it's, it's a lot of fun for me to kind of do that, you know. So those, those guys really, really do inspire me. That's great. I, I um. I found probably one of the most humbling things, but also inspiring things was I ended up, um, and it hadn't been for a few years at the same event as Amy Shaw. Um, and I came back with my set of photographs and then she put her set of photographs online and I was like, Oh, I could have taken them. They're much, much better than mine. But it, it, it was like, there's a great, I think a leveling thing in photography up to a certain level, you know, like if you're at the same thing, you can theoretically take the same photograph. You just need to have the eye or, or whatever it is that um, uh, that that you need for that. And, yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, obviously, like there's a slight difference. Like if you're doing action sports in in, in the same way, like I, I I don't have necessarily the long lenses and stuff to do the, the the WRC or some of your your drift photos. But like if you're at the same event as Larry Chen and you come away and look at your photographs, you're like, okay, what what were you seeing different to me? I think in photography, that's it's not a case of going, oh, he's like much better. I give up. It's more kind of I could do this. I just need to develop the skill to do this. Does that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's not about it. Hey, it's being better or worse if you're at the same mm. place. You, you know, it's just your view. You, yeah. you could just shoot all day from um, behind the fence. You could you could just spend your whole time just doing driver portraits or mechanic portraits or pictures of tools or engine bays or whatever you, you do you and that's yeah, yeah. like your story and that's you know what the story that you want to tell it's not better or worse it's just completely different and i think it's just so cool that you know whatever if i see your pictures or amy's pictures i could potentially just be inspired from that to push you know in my own way you're known for um when you're shooting action um stuff for, for very much a uh, machine gun shutter um mm -hmm. i believe has been referred to yeah. what, what's always what always is curious for me is afterwards in the post-processing how do you pick the shot 
out of a, a, a ream of like 30 shots of like the same moment, broadly speaking. Uh, you know, you'd be surprised. Uh, there's just so many different variances in just a millisecond, especially with this uh, cars or uh, race trucks or whatever I'm photographing. Just one, even if I'm shooting full blast at 14 frames per second, one frame to the next is completely different all the time. And it could mean a big fireball uh, was in one and it was it happened just for a split second or it could be nothing at all, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, there's just these things that just happen. It could be a wheel off, um, lifted up, or and then the next frame, it's down on the ground. You know, there's just so many little things that potentially could improve the picture the the way I see it, I basically shoot first and I ask questions later. I physically am not capable of being like, hey, oh, car's coming around the corner. Let's wait to see if he gets some cool action. You know, yeah. I just can't. I can't do that. There's no way. There's, I don't care how fast you are. There's no way you can. Oh, he's about to, you know, uh, uh, hit, hit this sick jump. And I'm gonna hit it right at right when he's like at the very tippy top, very uh, like the peak of the jump. There's no way. No, you know no. these these cars are are legitimately going so fast, um, and especially if you're really right close to them, if you're right next to them, you just physically can't move fast enough. So what I do is I use technology to my advantage, and I just make sure that I get as much material as I can in case something happens or whatever yeah i mean you still got the uh you got to be still got to be in the right place at the right time um yes the, uh, you're just uh, spreading the time that you're there almost yeah uh, yeah but wise. you'd be surprised you know we can go through our stuff so fast now because um we're just the the, the more you look at these pictures you know I, I it's not just me doing this work pretty much Whenever we're covering large events, you know, all of my guys, I have four full-time guys that work for me. And right. whenever, you know, it's a full force, uh, when, whenever it's a team um, event, for example, when we cover Formula Drift, it's, it's uh, all hands on deck. And it's just insane how many pictures and how much video we move because we actually do a lot of video now. In one weekend at Formula Drift, especially the more important weekends like the finals or um, if it's Long Beach, which is a season opener, we can end up with 35,000 photos easy. Wow. That's, yeah. That's a lot to go through. And I mean, granted, you know, we run a lot of remote cameras. Part of it is because there's so many places that I want to take pictures, but of course, it's too dangerous to actually physically be there. Or there's a lot of places that physically you can't actually be there. Um, so we really take advantage of using rem remote cameras and hence why we have such a high uh, count of images. But uh, what, people, what people don't realize is how much we actually publish. I mean, just, just personally, I publish so much. Um, but then, you know, with all the people that we kind of provide images for, Potentially, it could be maybe ten percent of the stuff that we shoot actually gets used. That's that's a pretty good hit ratio for a photographer, to be uh, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so, how much of your time is split between like photography, traveling to photograph, arranging the shoots, and post processing the shoots? How does how does the time split work? <laughs> that's that's um I don't know. That's kind of tough to say, but definitely um, with the help of my guys, more and more. I've been trying to concentrate on the shooting aspect of it and also the business aspect of it. Um, and then of course, all the traveling in between. I really try my best to kind of take a lot of the uh, busy work, um, calling through photos, editing, color correcting, stuff like that. I, I kind of hand that stuff off. Um, and then of course, I always kind of just go through everything at least one time I do final revisions 
But, you know, if I want to do everything, it's basically impossible, especially with how much stuff we shoot. You know, during normal times, it's pretty much every single weekend. Wow, it's, uh, well, it's good to be busy. I mean, you are pretty much known for being constantly working as well. So, uh. well, well, the last time we were um, in uh, the UK, we were only on the ground for five days, I think, right? Or four full days. Um, it was like four and a half. We ended up with 21 episodes of Hoonigan Autofocus. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, we just pretty much just shoot nonstop. So, um, actually, I can ask you this question now. Um, who came up with the name Autofocus because it's genius? Yeah, that was actually Brian Scotto. He actually owns, um, uh, Hoon- or he owns autofocus.com, I think. Ah. Yeah. It's- because um, a while ago, um, uh, my my friend uh, Jason and I were were looking at doing sort of a uh, a series about photographing cars, actually, rather than um, following a photographer. And um, we couldn't come up with a name, um, and it sort of died a, died a death because um, other things happened. But then we saw autofocus. And we we're like, that's so genius! <laughs> that's just so good. Yeah. It's- uh, there we go. You know, those guys at Hoonigan, I really have to hand it to them. They are so good with play on words. Like, every single thing that they come up with, like, uh, one of the funnier ones is staff inspection. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know like, they're, like, checking in on their staff, uh, their their car builds. But yeah. it's just such a funny name, you know? There's just, like, it's just so many... I don't know. They just come up with all this crazy stuff. They, they, they got a really, they're, yeah, they're very good at, um, as you say, at wordplay and and just actually yeah. the the whole carrying through the um, sort of attitude of hooligans into everything, including like how they're titling videos and stuff like that. It's it's really, uh, it's a, a really complete uh, package. How did you end up um, with hooligans actually? Because obviously you were um, speed hunting, um, which I think is broadly as far as i can tell where you rose to sort of international sort of fame as it were um but um uh and then you're uh and then you're now on hoonigans did they approach you or, or did, were you looking for your opportunity and, and approach them how did that come about well um it started actually uh back in 2011 i think um during the filming of jim Connor four uh, I was actually invited to go on to set to photograph Ken and, of course, the film crew as they were kind of you know, tr- trying to, um, as they had the Universal Studios backlot to their disposal, uh, they just needed some set photographers and I was available and I was actually covering for someone else. I photographed that and I guess they really liked it, especially Ken. Um, he's so good at, um, not, not so much, um, he's just so good at media, you know, he, mm. he just has like this way with, uh, portraying his stuff, his racing, his products, everything. He really is so in tune with that. I mean, because that's what he did for work, at, you know, up until 35 years old, um, when he started racing. Yeah. He, uh, he he's he's just really good at that, and so you know, over the years, they kept inviting me back to shoot these Gymkhanas, and I did the set photography for it, and then they started Hoonigan, um, and I was just kind of around. I, I was just friends with the guys, and uh, it, it just, I guess, it, it was only natural for it to happen because they are Southern California based. And I am Southern California based. And, you know, with the whole uh, Speed Hunters thing, I just never really felt connected because I was never, you know, I didn't live there. I didn't live where it was based. And it's yeah. it's been based all over the place. Like it started in Canada and Vancouver and then it went to the UK and then it went to Sweden. And then, it, you know, it's just all over the place. I think it's back in the UK now. Um, yeah, but yeah. it's just such a different thing compared to what the Hoonigans are. It's like they have a physical space. You can go visit that space. You know, you can buy T-shirts. You can 
there, there's people there, you know, they're characters. One of the problems with Speedrunners was that they never really let us become characters because they wanted the cars to be the stars, which is not a problem. Um, but why not have both? Right now at Hoonigan, they allow the cars to be the stars as well as the people behind the camera and in front of the camera. Yeah, it's a slightly in- interesting approach, or it's like a slightly different approach, as you say, to, to what speed hunters were doing. But it does seem a, a slightly more complete package. Um, the yeah, I'm I, I really enjoy pretty much everything they put out. Like as I say, I'm sort of focused on the older stuff, but um, just everything that uh, Hoonigan seems to put out seems to have a, such a mark of quality to it. Um, and there's a confidence to it as well, which I quite like. They're, they're never apologetic about being being what they are and who they are, which I think uh, I think other brands probably could learn from a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, so you're now in front of the camera more often. You are a uh, celebrity uh, photographer. Um, do you get recognized at events that people often yell your name at you and stuff like that? Um, so at events, it's it's kind of interesting. It's... it's um, I... I I mean, I never really meant to be in front of camera. I don't really care to be, you know, that guy. Um, but honestly, if if I can inspire other people to pick up a camera or to love this car or to be a part of this culture in some way or another, I'm all for it. You know, so I'm always very, very adamant about making sure my one-on-one interaction with people that I meet it, I I make sure it's as good as possible. You know, I always have stickers with me, um, and I always want to like kind of give someone something uh, because you know they're really going out of their way. They, they're supporting me. They're supporting what I do, and because they're watching what I'm doing and liking what I'm doing, I can keep photographing cars. I can keep doing dumb shit with cars, and that's. Yeah cool with me you know i love that so much um, it's kind of the trade-off i guess is that yeah yeah it is and it the good thing is uh it's gotten to the point where it's opening so many more doors now um just the other day for example i was uh going to my mechanic shop to get something fixed on my porsche um and i just happened to drive i was driving along and this nine 18 spider is just driving along too and i i just happen to pull behind it and i just think it's the funniest thing i'm like oh my god this thing is so cool i take a picture of it i post on my instagram and not an hour later someone's like hey i know that guy um let me connect you so you can photograph it (laughs) you know like (laughs) how is that a thing you know like that's so that's what i like about this i love that it opens doors and it's just not gotten to the point where it's a bad thing. I can only see it getting better, honestly. Yeah, I, th- I think that you know, it's also a certain subset of people as well. So it's not um, when we were at SEMA, we had uh, we met um, uh, Daniel Wu, who hmm. obviously you, you know, um, and we were sort of photographing the uh, SA hundred, and while we were trying to do that he was just surrounded by people wanting his autograph and he was like having to physically extract himself from it. And it was, but he was, it was constant. It was just like, he was talking to someone and signing an autograph and talking to someone else and signing an autograph. And then we caught him just as he was sort of escaping. And I just wanted to tell him how much I love the SA hundred. It's absolutely fantastic build. One of my favorite cars from SEMA. And he I think he seemed genuinely happy that someone was talking to him about his car for a change. And, um, it, it was it, it was sort of it was an interesting take on that kind of level of celebrity. It's like, oh yeah, you can see that must be quite draining if that's every time oh. you go somewhere that's what's happening. Where, whereas you're at the nice level of celebrity where just idiot nerds like us will come yeah. and talk to you. Oh, um, I love but, but I love great. all the nerds. I love all. Yeah, the yeah. Nerds. <laughs> we, we, you know, they great they're great people. It's nice yeah. to nice to find people that are enthusiastic about what you do. Um, so you're you're you've got that lovely level of sort of people know you, but. It's not too many. Yeah, yeah. I think Matt Ferris says it best. He basically says, like, 
hey, when I want to be a celebrity, I can. You know, I just go to any car thing, and it, you know, he gets surrounded, and and I, I think that's cool. Um, just to touch on Daniel Wu, what a, what an awesome guy. He is so okay. cool, and a genuine car guy, like you wouldn't believe. Like I, I've I'm just so lucky to be able to work with people like him. Um, it, it's it's it really is incredible. I mean. The level of celebrity that he is, especially in the Asian markets, uh, we actually went to a dumpling restaurant um, near his place. I actually had a chance to stay at his place when we were shooting that car. We we went to a dumpling restaurant, and legitimately, it just it was just nonstop. People coming up to him asking for autographs, pictures. Uh, it, it was just so crazy. Like I I couldn't. I feel like I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't be yeah, happy. No, it, it looked too much. It was just like this is this looks exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but with, with that said, you know, like he loves what he does. He loves to act. Yeah. He loves to direct. And the best part is, I love that he spends his money uh, wisely and the way he wants to spend his money. Like he could just go out and buy whatever shitty exotic car, you know. Yeah. And and I noticed a lot of comments. Um, that were saying that on the videos that I did with him. But he doesn't. He wants to build something. He wants to get dirty. And, yeah. you know, that that's that's the cool thing. That's like a real car guy. And I know he's going to inspire a lot of people um, yeah, for sure. to get into this. I, I liked um, when, when we spoke to him. He was like, oh, we, we started this project and then we found it was really hard to find parts for these. And I was like, that's such a car guy thing you know that's like that's not someone that's sort of just gone oh i want this and, and made it happen it's like someone that's had to go and find parts or find someone to find parts for them and it's like that's that's really nice it, it was sort of a very genuine oh yeah this was this was, this was really tough to find bits for <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it you, is. they're really hard you, to find parts can you imagine that i mean like the level of celebrity like he is just so genuine he's so awesome but he's literally just sitting there browsing yahoo auctions for it <laughs> nos parts on yeah. his honda s800 like that just makes me happy it's super cool. that's so good it's so yeah. good um I, i've got um actually i've got another photography question i need to ask you um in fact two uh, one of which came in fact both of which came from jason um how do you cope shooting at busy events in crowds or do you not have to really do that anymore because you have a level of access now that that grants you a bit more leeway to do stuff well, I think um, f for me, I, I use the crowd to my advantage, really, because they're they are the subject. You know, they're part of the subject. Racing and car events, all of that stuff won't happen without the crowd. Um, as much as I'm guessing, that's probably what's going to happen uh, yeah. because <laughs> what's going on now, it's just going to be empty stands. That's really unfortunate. You know, there are people that I know that are just so over the crowd. Um, they just can't stand the crowd because honestly they could be obnoxious you know they get in the way it's it's just a bunch of sweaty car guys you know trying to get a picture uh but for me i really do my best i really try so hard to incorporate them into the picture whether it be like foreground background blur or they're shaping a, a certain car um just to give you a good example uh with the lufka cult events um, you know, you know, Lefko. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all yeah, the so, cool stuff. Yeah, yeah the, the, the air-cooled Porsches, um, which, uh, by the way, your listeners can go to my website to get uh, all of the photos in high resolution in 4K or more um, for free. And I have all my Lefko cult stuff out there. Um, but it, it, the, I take that event. There's a perfect example of an event where I get to have the best access i'm probably one of only two sometimes three at most photographers that get to shoot load in and they i get to shoot staging i get to shoot the cars coming in out of the trailers and all of that getting polished basically i get to shoot the show when it's complete empty there's no one there and it's just the cars it's just pure car porn i spend that whole load in day getting car stuff but then come next morning during sunrise when all the normal people are loading in and when the spectators are coming in, that's when it gets real. That's when my 
experience comes into play. Like I really try so hard to incorporate the crowd into the photos because all of a sudden the stories uh, turned from, hey, here's some beautiful cars to, hey, here's these people enjoying these cars and uh, the, the, the shape of the crowd is, is, is kind of like forming the picture. That's a really nice. That's a really nice way of looking at that. That's superb. Um, yeah. um, uh, last uh, photography question, at least. Um, mm. If you uh, if you're shooting a show, um, it's a combination of action and static, and you get to use one camera and one lens setup. What are you bringing? Mm, I I think um, personally, I like a challenge. If it's um, just one camera, one lens. Uh, I would use the just any full frame DSLR. You know, I'll probably use my Canon any one D series at the time. If it was uh, a couple years ago, you know, it, it would be like a one DX or whatever. Nowadays, I would just use my one DX three, which is a brand new camera, and then I'll use a thirty five millimeter f one point four, um, just standard, no zoom. You know, just fixed focal. Because um, it just really forces me to actually get on my feet and move. There are those photographers that I follow that shoot with zoom lenses, but they are so good at composition and they're just so good at seeing the picture differently than I can. They actually use the zoom lenses to their advantage. I can't do that. I have to kind of physically force myself to, hey, here's the square. Do, or here's the rectangle, do your best out of this rectangle, you know? So with that said, the 35 forces me to do that. I, I quite like that as well as an approach for, because you're, um, you're limiting your options as well. So you're, you're basically saying, as you say, th this is what I've got. And yeah. now I've got to take a photograph. I've got 35 mil, I've got 1.4, you know, yeah, you can sort of crush your depth of field or, 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 or not, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, a really nice approach. Um, oh, I was going to actually ask you, you're a, you're a Canon person. Have you read the specs of the Canon R5 and are you interested in going mirrorless? Yeah, I, uh, did have a chance to see the specs of the R5. I'm actually really, um, excited to use that camera for video um, mm, yeah, because, yeah. um, I mean, I haven't had a chance to use it. We have an EOS R, which is, I guess, not so much the previous generation. It's still current generation, but it's uh, Canon's uh, most high-end um, mirrorless camera before the R5. It, it's just a different feeling, and eventually I know that mirrorless cameras will be faster and better for what I'm using cameras for, but there's just something about... You, you actually being able to see the subject with your eye it's gonna be a while i mean eventually it's gonna happen like you said and potentially it's gonna be a lot better but with the stuff that i shoot i i can't tell you i mean you know how like have you been to uh you've watched like a f1 race right yeah up close I, like these things are going so fast you you just can't physically move fast enough to even follow the car, you know, let alone yeah. achieve focus or anything. Um, when I'm trackside, when even if I'm shooting the slowest motorsport, I'm guessing it's probably drifting. They're so fast, like I am one foot away from from these people going a hundred miles per hour. Uh, how like I couldn't even imagine um, a mirrorless camera being able to do that. But uh, like I said, eventually technology will will get yeah, there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah. So who is Larry Chen when he isn't working? Because you do spend a lot of time working. But I'm guessing you spend some of your time not working. So who is Larry Chen when he's not working? You know, I I feel like I'm always working. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my work is fun. You know, I can't really call it work i mean it is work but I, I like hanging out with my family playing with the kids um i love uh playing with with uh remote control cars i've been kind of getting into that more 
with all of this free time. Um, I, I like playing video games. I, I wish I had more time for them. I, I love shooting on film, especially uh, shooting you know, family gatherings, friends. Uh, it, it just really slows me down. And it's still the same feeling as, as photography, as what I'm doing for work. But it's a lot more pleasant uh, viscerally. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a lot more rewarding. And I don't know. I mean, I I just I think I pretty much do the same things, but um, in a different way. A slightly different attitude to them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So was the did the photography or the cars come first? Uh, I I think. It, the photography came just just a hair first um it was just around that same time i guess and uh, i was going through high school when i was kind of getting into cars in my own way uh i i played with the remote control cars and i built model cars and i was still into cars but of course i wasn't of that age yet but i was getting into photography at the same time and um that was around the time when digital was just getting introduced. So I actually learned photography on a film camera. So I feel oh. very comfortable shooting film. Cool. Yeah, I was going to ask if you uh, if you had to transition from film to digital, and uh, but um, that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I love film cameras. I'm, I uh, uh, have more film cameras than digital cameras. Actually, I I, I have. Uh, it's because it's just they're they're um, something to look at too. You know, they they're actually um, like the today's cameras. While they look cool, um, they're just it's kind of like the classic car, you know, versus like a brand new BMW. It's it's interesting actually to to bring it into sort of uh, back into the car world. Sorry, car people, if you're listening to this, and I've disappeared off into photography land. Um, yeah. The um, the the modern manufacturers that are making retro styled cameras with all of their modern digital bits and pieces because they've been a, they, they're now free to sort of uh, everything got so small they can put everything back into kind of the old style um frames i'm thinking like the fuji film x pros and stuff like that they like yeah. these retro really retro looking cameras but they're all you know top spec digital stuff yeah um, i i actually just bought a um a bellows camera if you can believe that or not wow that's made, nice. that's made in 2020 can you believe that um wow so no, it, it, that. it actually shoots um instant film a fuji instant film um and it's uh actually made um by uh these guys in hong kong they they make them and it, it's just for enthusiasts you know who want to shoot yeah. instant film but fully manual and at a pretty decent price that's pretty sweet. I like that. I like that. Have you um, ever looked at sort of, or do do you use a medium format um, at all? Have you have you looked at that sort of stuff? You know, that's the one thing I actually get a lot of questions about. That that's the one thing I haven't gone into. Uh, I've always wanted to shoot one twenty film or larger, but yeah. with what I shoot, um, I naturally just gravitate to uh, thirty five millimeter. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it you know you you can't. It's going to be hard to shoot sporting events, um, particularly uh, action ones with with that stuff. That stuff. Yeah, um, but that that's great. Um, I got emergency questions, but I like answering asking them. So I haven't yet run out of questions, but I do like uh, I do like to ask the uh, scariest <laughs> car you've been in. Scariest car. Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. I'm and it could thinking. be something really sketchy, or it could be something that you were in and was being driven in such a manner that it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've been in... Oh, okay, okay, all right. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I For sure, 100%. The scariest car that I've ever been in was my own car. I had a, a minivan. Uh, my dad hand, hand me down this uh, Dodge Caravan. And do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, I've seen a Dodge yeah. Caravan. Yeah, yeah, they're so bad. They're, I think it's probably the worst vehicle ever. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of bad vehicles, but legitimately, 
I almost killed somebody with this vehicle because um, I I was just following my friend and he had a brand new at the time he had a S two thousand it was brand new like it had no miles on it I was following him and we're I think we're I don't know where we we're going we're probably going out to eat or something and we're we're coming to a stop and the the uh, brakes they just get to the they go to the floor. There's, I just have no brakes, and I'm about to basically kill my friend in his brand new S2000. Um, so I had to actually like emergency swerve around him, and somehow, somehow I I I didn't hit him, um, and we were going at a pretty good rate of speed. Uh, so eventually, I pull over and I figure out what's wrong. I just, I don't even think I really braked that hard, but I broke hard enough where uh the caliper basically just broke apart jeez yeah nice. bill so, quality right there yeah exactly bill quality so i legitimately had to buy a new caliper for that, for that. <laughs> I, I, I feel insane. like i've never heard anything like that but anyways yeah that, that's the sketchiest car that i've ever driven and what's the fastest you've ever been in a car mm, i've driven on the autobahn in a audi rs3 uh that was um uh, tuned i'm trying to think who who tuned it a- apt i think i think it might have been apt uh, i don't know oh no, no no apr apr performance have you heard of them um i have not but um, i'm um, sure someone has but yeah, APR performance, Audi RS3, um, legitimately, I, I could not believe how fast this car was. Uh, I actually had a chance to go on the Autobahn, 0 to 185 miles per hour um, from a standing still. Yeah. That, that, that'll do it for you. Jeez. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was crazy. Okay, I'm going to not take up too much more of your time. I have <laughs> possibly a question that could actually take hours to answer, but what's yeah. your... What's your plan for for the next few years? How, how are you how are you shaping up? What what are you what are you aiming towards? Um, you know, the nice thing is, I I, I feel like it, it's tough to say, especially with all this stuff going on. I mean, hopefully everything go back goes back to normal soon. And you know, I, I I'm lucky in that I don't have it that bad when compared to I look at my racing driver friends and team owners mm-hmm. and. All of those guys, they're literally just chomping at the bit to like get in that race car. <laughs> you know, like they they want to race, they want to they want to get back to it. Um, I'm I'm lucky that I can kind of still keep busy. I uh, I'll take my own car out and you know I'll do solo drives and I'll do solo shoots. But um, I I think I don't. I've never been into a. Uh, I've never been at this point in my life where I've been so clear about what I need to do moving forward. Uh, I think so much of it just has to do with, you know, continuing to improve our video skills, um, definitely improving being in front of camera, um, working on my health. And also, uh, I think another big thing is, uh, working on, uh, education. Uh, with with Canon, trying to teach more people how to shoot, and uh, trying to teach, I guess, get more people into pho- photographing cars. I am the only car photographer on their uh, their uh, Explorer of Light lineup. You know, yeah. they're they're they have and and they only have two Asians. Is me and Jimmy Chin. You know, Jimmy Chin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Chin, the Oscar winner, which I I can't even believe that i'm on the same list as him in some way um (laughs) it's crazy so so all of the other photographers on the canon lineup their explorer of light they're so talented in their way you know whatever they're photographing um but i'm the only car photographer there's plenty of wedding photographers landscape uh sports all of that there's multiples of them but I'm the only one that photographs cars. So I got to do my best because I have this voice now, because I have this access. The fact that I can talk about cars, I, they post 
um, my uh, you know drift shots and cam block shots and all this stuff on the Canon Instagram. Um, and the fact that they let me, out of all people, launch their brand new 1DX Mark III camera, which is their flagship camera, it, it's just it's it's crazy. I've never thought that would happen, you know. So I'm definitely going to take advantage of that and uh, uh, just kind of use that to to hopefully you know inspire some people. That's absolutely superb way uh, to spend your time. Um, thank you very much. It's pretty much gone midnight uh, where you're at, so um, we sure uh, have to uh, have to close and let you go to bed and um, live uh, back to the Larry Chen life. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your um, uh, time, and uh, you know it's uh, it, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And yeah. um, uh, hopefully thank we'll you. we'll see each other again in the future at some point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, if you see Bryn before I see him, tell him I said hi. Uh, I will do. Oh, and um, is there anything um, we need to find you at? So websites and Instagrams and all of that stuff. What what are we? Where are we looking? Yeah. So um, Instagram definitely is uh, the best way to kind of track to see what I'm actually doing day in day out. Um, so that's uh, Larry Chen photo, or you just search Larry Chen. Um, and then of course uh, on the video side. If you have hours that you want to kill for whatever reason, definitely look up Hoonigan Autofocus. Um, you know, we focus on cars and cameras. Um, so it, that that's always good. If you want a lot of high-resolution photos for free, um, go to my website, LarryChenPhoto.com. Perfect. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back uh, next time with someone else or maybe me and Simon talking nonsense. We shall see. Speak later.